that today we'll be uh, plowing through Colossians chapter 3, uh, going through verses 1 through 17. And, um, you know, I just want you to understand that I tried to understand what God was trying to talk about this morning. And the thing that came to me first was to put on the new. Put on the new. But then I was listening to Brian, and he started talking about feeling how he was reminded in the place where he was about what he used to be and what he is now. Still recognizing that we're not what we want to be, but knowing that God has brought us a long way and sometimes we just need that reminder of where God has brought us from. Uh, so this word today is also a reminder of who we are and where God has brought us from. So with that, let us just uh, look to the Lord in prayer. God, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. We thank you, God, for all that you've done in our lives, God, for how far you've brought us, Lord. We know there's still a ways to go, God, but through your strength, God, through your uh, love, God, we can still persevere, God. So we thank you right now. We ask you for the power of your Holy Spirit, God, to speak through me, Lord. Lord, that you would fill this, this sanctuary, God, with your holy presence, God, that your word would fall on fertile soil. God, we thank you. We praise you. We should give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we say amen. Amen. So let us just, I'm going to read through this Colossians 3, 1 through 17, and then we'll start pack, unpacking it. Um, <clears throat> if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger and wrath, malice and slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, in all and in all. Put on then as God has chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And, and the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiveness, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in the word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. So the word this morning is put on the new self, or as Brian has said, just a friendly reminder. Just to put this chapter in context, you see, this letter was a letter from Paul written to the church, the Colossians church, while he was in prison. And the church 
was going through some false teachings at the time. They, they were struggling because there were people in the church, Jews and Gentiles, that were setting up a lot of rules and regulations and setting up a lot of do's and don'ts and looking towards angels uh, to worship and looking towards themselves to figure out how they could be closer to God, to be more like God. See, they'd find a way to say, maybe I can do this by myself. And they began to put Jesus aside, and taking him off his throne, taking away his deity, but trying to say that maybe Jesus is just an ordinary man and we can do it by ourselves. See, false teachings had reached into the church, this young church, and they forgot that Jesus was King of kings and Lord of lords and that he was, in fact, the Prince of Peace, the only way to salvation. Instead, they turned to each other. They turned to other beings. They turned inside to say, maybe with knowledge and, and, and searching for mysterious things in heaven, maybe I can get there on my own. They had forgot who they were in Christ, children of the Most High God, joint heirs with Christ, adopted sons and daughters of Christ, ambassadors in this foreign land. They forgot that they were no longer slaves to the law, but they were slaves now to Christ because of the grace that he's shown them by the sacrifice he made on the cross. How many religious groups today find themselves in the same place where they claim they know Christ, but in their own strength, they're trying to be like God. They may not deny that Christ is somebody special, but they deny him that he is Lord, that he is truly the Son of God. They seek out this universal power to tap into so that they can be more like God, not realizing that their self-actualization and self-determination is pushing Christ aside. How many Christian churches today are still bound by rituals and rules and man-made lists of do's and don'ts in an effort to reflect holiness only to understand and miss the fact that holiness flows from the heart? Paul's desire in this letter is that this young church not fall prey to the tricks of the adversary. And he wants to remind them that they are truly new creatures in Christ Jesus and that Christ is the one that's sufficient for all their needs. Let's look verse four, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Paul had to remind the Colossians of who they were, where their minds should be focused, and who they really belong to. You see, Paul said to the believers, since you've been raised with Christ from the dead, seek the things above, set your minds on the things above, not on the earthly things. Why should we focus on the heavens? Why should we seek out the things above? Because the one that loves us sits on the right hand of God the Father. He's making intercession for each one of us. Why should we look towards the heaven? Because the one who saved us hides us in our shelter in times of trouble. We look towards the heavens because Christ himself has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future, and covered us by his precious blood. 1 Peter 2.11 tells us that as children of God, we are aliens in this strange world. That we are truly the ambassadors here for Christ. 
And when the trumpet does sound in the second coming, we will be appearing with him in glory. Jesus tells us in John 14, 3, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. You see, this is not our home. But the enemy would have you believe that this is our home. Instead, he fills our lives with other priorities and distractions from the things above, things that demand our attention on a daily basis. He fills our lives with our work schedule. He fills our lives with our school needs, our children, our finances, and our health. He distracts us with with our health issues. And sometimes he even uses our busyness at church to take away from the things above. Oftentimes, we feel like there's not enough time to go around shuttling children between sports events and keeping up with the house and attending to aging parents and sick family members. But Matthews tells us in 633, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Sometimes we just need to reset, refocus, reboot, recenter and reprioritize our life to look towards the heavens. The world will have us put up so much energy into being successful in this place that is so temporal. We chase after the things that will not be here tomorrow, soon to be forgotten, when our true home is in eternal glory. So Matthew tells us in 6, 19 through 21, let us not store up our treasures in earth where moth and rust will destroy them and thieves can break in and steal them. But lay up our treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust will destroy, where thieves will not break in. For where your treasure is, is there will be your heart also. I worked long hours when I was in corporate America. Sacrificed my family, she'll tell you. 17 years, blood, sweat, and tears. Working 16-hour days, getting home at 11 o'clock at night. For what? To climb an empty mountain. When I got there, I dined with the kings and didn't taste any better than when I started. I left. They were surprised. But God told me, this is not, the, this is not where I need you right now. 17 years invested making good money. But God said, no. This is never going to fill the void. So the question is, What earthly things are distracting us? What's keeping us from focusing on the things above? What tricks of the adversary is he using to keep us from putting all our trust in God? Looking at verses 5 through 8, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, and malice, slander, obscene, walk from your, obscene talk from your mouth. You see, Paul says to the church, since you've been raised with Christ, it is time to put to death that which is earthly in us. It kept slowing down and down and down. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> if there's one thing that can destroy a church or its ministry, it's the yielding of our flesh to its passions and desires by those who profess the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Paul understood that. And he shared with the church in the strongest way possible. Leave no room for immorality or impurity. It is these things that bring wrath of God. God's first of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before me. You see, covetousness, that wrongful consuming desire to want something so much that it replaces your desire for God and its righteousness. This is the idolatry that Paul is speaking of. For the Colossians, it was their pursuit of knowledge and the mysteries of the cosmic world. Possibly becoming one with God. For us, it could be coming in the form of a chasing a title, chasing a position, chasing a new home or longing for a new car, a particular school you're trying to get into. Yes, we, like the Colossians, were at some point in our lives walking dead, fulfilling desires of our flesh. But as children of God, we must no longer yield to our members. We must always be on guard against the tempter. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And see, Christ told his disciples in the garden, when he knew he was going to be tempted, he said to them, be watchful and pray, so that you do not fall to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Immorality and passion and impurity, evil desires, none of that has a place with the children of God. You see, just what we might say, I'm glad that none of that applies to me. Paul calls out a few more subtle hindrances to godly living. Anger and wrath, malice and slander, obscene talk from the mouth. My wife and I just yesterday were talking about how to respond when someone does something wrong or does some, something wrong to someone that's close to you. More specifically, we were talking about our grandchildren and how when they're disobedient, how do you respond in such a way where you can control your anger, control your wrath, but show discipline in a way that still expresses unconditional love and not condemnation. You see, we're old school. If a kid acts up, something's gonna happen. <laughs> but you see, we know now that we, be, we have to be able to reflect the love of Christ when we do that discipline. We have to be able to reflect that unconditional love no matter how far that kid pushes us. The word of God says, do not turn your child, do not create wrath in your child. That's just one area for us. For some, it may be obscene talk, use of foul language, some may be slander or malice. You see, it's easy for us to justify our actions based on how we've been wounded or how we were raised. It's just the way I am. But that's not what Christ has done for us. He accepted our wounds for us, even when we didn't deserve it, when we deserved death. Thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. 
Romans 6, 1 and 4 says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism unto death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Saints of Streamsong, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So we need to put on the new. Verses 9 through 11 reads, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all and in all. In the Colossian church, some thought they were superior because they had great knowledge. It made them feel more important than other people. The Jews thought they were the chosen ones, so they felt more superior. The Greeks thought they were superior because they were more educated, more educated than the Scythians. The free felt more superior than the slaves. But in the kingdom of God, we all have been justified by the same blood. We all have been sanctified by Christ Jesus. We all need, we all have been glorified by Jesus. And we all found salvation through Jesus. In the kingdom of God, all are equal before God because Christ is in all. In Romans 2, 9 and 11, it says, There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jews first and also the Greek, but the glory and honor and peace of everyone who does good, the Jews first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. God is no respecter of person. Therefore, he doesn't concern himself with our educational status. He doesn't worry about our financial status. He doesn't worry about our race or our gender. God is neutral about our social status. His only concern is about our walk and us being renewed in our minds. We're already clothed in his righteousness. We just need to recognize who we are in Christ Jesus and walk in our new covering. The old grave clothes have been torn away the moment we said yes to Jesus. So we are no longer dead in our transgressions, but alive in Christ. No longer living in the tomb, but walking in the life that Christ has given us. We need to put on the new. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your regional spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Saints of God, you have new clothes to put on. Wear them with great joy and gratitude. For you have been called by God to be a reflection of Christ to this dying world. Verses 12 through 13 reads, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, 
meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive to the church of Jesus Christ, because we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus, because Christ loved us so much, we have been given an honor to be his representatives in the world. This is our new garment, a garment that is compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience. What a privilege it is to wear the virtues of Christ. Our hardened hearts are now in the past and we need to let it go. Our bitterness is now in the past, so we should let it go. Our pride must be cast into the past and let it go. Impatience, cast it into the past because all things have become new. Let the first fruits of the Spirit blossom in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, bearing one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. This is probably the toughest area for Christians. How do we forgive people that have hurt us? How do we forgive people that have wounded us? How do we forgive people that have abused us? How do we forgive people who have mistreated us? Surely they don't deserve it. I'll forgive them, but I won't forget. But saints of God, we have a choice. We have a choice to make. We can forgive, we can forgive just out of obedience. Matthew 18, 20 through 22 says, Peter came to Jesus and said unto him, Lord, how often will, when my brother sins against me, and, I, and shall I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I did not say seven times, but 77 times. We can forgive out of the fear of consequences of not forgiving. For Matthew 6, 14 through, 14 through 15 says, For if you forgive your brothers their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Or we forgive out of love. The love that Christ showed us. Because of what Christ did for us. By his grace and his mercy, he forgave us when we didn't deserve it. He forgave us even though we were still walking in darkness. He forgave us just by saying yes to Christ. Not because we worked so hard, not because we were so good, but he forgave us because we submitted unto him. Psalms 103.12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he cast our transgressions from us. Freely we receive and freely we should give. You see, in our, in our flesh, it's impossible to forgive. The wounds are too deep. But through Christ, we can do all things who strengthens us. Jesus can help our unforgiveness. He can lift the weight of our unforgiveness. He can remove the poison from our system of our unforgiveness. We just have to take it before him and say, Jesus... I want to do your will, but I'm not strong enough. 
and lay it at his feet and walk in the newness of unforgiveness cast it into the past walking in the power of the Holy Spirit put on the new in verses 14 through 17 and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful and let the Lord Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him faith hope and love abide but the greatest of these is love Peter says in 4.8 above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. It is the love that binds the garment together all together in perfect harmony and without love it is but a sham. The word of God says that it is by the love that we have one for another that the world would know who we really are. Christian love is a sacrificial love. One that esteems others higher than ourselves. And when the word of God dwells in us, our hearts begin to change. Our focus begins to change. We start putting down earthly things and looking towards the heavens. Old things start to fall away. All things become new and start to flourish. God's wisdom starts to flow. We must study and meditate on the word of God day and night. That it will be written on our hearts. Recognizing that our songs that we sing, our hymns that we sing, are more than entertainment, but God's way of ministering to his people. Reminding us who we are in Christ Jesus, new creations with new clothes. Old things have passed away. Intolerance has passed away. Impatience has passed away. Impotence has passed away. They've been replaced with forbearance and patience and power in the name of Jesus. Saints of God, put on the new. You're no longer in the tomb. Because Christ has risen, you have risen with him. Take off your grave clothes. God has a new garment for you. Set your minds on things above. And in all things, do it unto the glory of God. In word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. For there is power in the name of Jesus. We just have to walk into the new thing that God has created for us. We're not what we used to be, but we surely are somebody new in Christ Jesus. The moment you said yes to Christ, he anointed you with a special gift. He called you to a special purpose. And he's asking you to walk in that glory. He's asking you to be a light unto this dying world. Amen putting aside the things that have weighed us down in the past, putting aside who we used to be. People will try to tell you that you haven't changed. But the moment you stepped into Christ, the moment you stepped into the family of God, you became a new person in Christ Jesus. Now he's asking you to step up. Wear the garment proudly. Wear it with joy and gratitude, knowing that somebody's going to attack you, but that's all right. The Holy Spirit's in you and no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now is the time for stream song to show love for one another. That's how the people in this community will understand what Jesus' love looked like. The sacrificial love one for another. Holding each other accountable. There's work in this community to be done by you. 
You just need to put on those new clothes and get out there and do what God called you to do. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And there's nothing that God can't do with this church. New creatures in Christ. Put on the new. Paul just wants to send us a reminder of who we are. God is good and he's worthy of all the praise. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. 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 Maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't have a clue as to what I'm talking about when I'm talking about walking into the newness of Christ. Maybe there's somebody here today that just hasn't yet submitted their hearts to Christ and they're, they're sort of on the fence about what this looks like, what it feels like, and, and how, do I, how do I walk with Christ? And he's just saying, come as you are. Come as you are. Lay it all down. Just come as you are. I'm not looking for you to change right now. I'm not, not, not looking for you to be a new person right now. I'll do that work. Jesus said, I'll do that work. You just come as you are. If there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ for the pardoning of their sins, tomorrow is not promised to you. This is the day that you can make that decision that will grant you salvation. Eternal life with Christ Jesus. If there's one here today that doesn't know Christ, truly know him, yielded to him, submitted to him. If there's one, today's the day to say, yes, Jesus, I submit. I submit.